0: You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. We hope you enjoy this teaching by Pastor Chris Donald. For more information about who we are, please visit us at thePromiseChurch.com. Anyway, so uh, that got really awkward really quick. You guys may be seated. I, w- I want to take a moment. We, I want to take a moment and honor the elders. If you're an elder at the Promise Church, can you please stand up? Please give them a round of applause. There's more as well. You guys can be seated. And I want it, my, my, my good friends in, in Jonathan and Aaron and Casey, I love you. And then the general, if Scott could please stand up. I always got to give honor to where honor is due. I will never preach a message when Scott is in the room and not honor him. Because he's changed my life in such a crazy awesome way. Who loves Scott? Yeah. I do too. So real quick, um, I have two really exciting announcements. You guys want the good one or the goodest one? Which one, Nella? I'm coming home. That's the best one. (laughs) So Chelsea and I will be home by Christmas. So we're, we're selling our house and we got a van. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. And we're going to van to Florida for a little bit. And then we're going to van back across America and tell as many people about Jesus in our van. And then we're going to build a house in Woodland. And we're going to do life with the promised Church. So we're excited. We're excited. Two people didn't clap. That's okay. I forgive you. That was a joke. And then the second announcement is... Um, So back in 2018, and we're going to hand these out in just a moment. In 2018, I was with uh, many in this room, a group of guys in the Philippines, and we were just dreaming. um, And just like, really, just in a sense, have you guys ever like joked around, but then you found out that it was God? Anybody like you're kind of dreaming and just like, and we were just dreaming something up in 2018, and I had mentioned it to Aaron. And then in 2019, Aaron came to Fort Worth to visit us, and God spoke to Aaron and Tasha. Um, to invest and to begin the works in what we're going to call 33rd Company Ministries. And uh, they took a step of faith. And in 2019, um, Chelsea, or in, so that was 2019, 2020, my wife, um, it was very kind. As, men, has your wife ever said something to you very sweet, but it hit you like a sledgehammer? So she said it very sweet, but I heard it like this. What are you going to do with your life? Yeah. And it was like God speaking through Chelsea, and, and we began to pray and process, and I called Aaron, and at that point in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, I had no real, like 33rd Company was something that we did together that I never saw myself stepping into and, like, and, and partnering with Aaron to do that full time. And then 2021, which now we're in, we're going to step into full, so we'll move back to Woodland and we're going to run with 33rd Company Ministries, wow. which you don't know what that is yet. So can I tell you what it is? Okay, so this has been something that's been in our hearts. So if, if the ushers, if you would like one of these, which we'd love to give one to you, there's ushers here and they're going to pass these out to you. And uh, when I start to preach in a moment, put it under your, under your chair so you're not distracted because my wife made it and it's beautiful. So, you know, it's like, you can, you can check it out when you get home and you drink some coffee, but in this is, is laid out what we believe God spoke to us um, to change the world. I truly believe that this ministry is going to change the world. First off, what, what about the number 33? So, what's the name of this church? The Promise Church. Number 33 is the number of promise. Do you guys know that? So, in Scripture, 33 is the number of promise Jesus at age 33, say 33, went all in to fulfill the ultimate promise. So Jesus at age 33 went all in to fulfill the ultimate promise that day on the cross. We're about ready to celebrate it next week, right? And so we at 33rd Company, I say we because this is not a me thing. This is a we thing that is going to get much bigger. We, like, anybody know why we YWAM, Youth, Youth with a Mission, where they send missionaries all over the globe. Like, I believe that 33rd Company is going to send evangelists all over the world to partner with local churches to take cities for Jesus. Okay, so at age 33, Jesus went all in to fulfill the ultimate promise. So we, we at 33rd Company are going to go all in to take that promise to the nation. So if, if the promised church is home based 33rd Company is like special forces. Does that make sense? That's why it's black on black. Because we're going to Iraq. We're going to go to Iran. Like, we're going to go to the most dangerous places on the planet and preach the gospel because we feel like that is one of the three aspects of what we're called to do. So, if you turn quickly in this awesome book that Chelsea's watching right now, did she not do a great job? While hurting four children, I don't know how she does it. Um, So, on this page where it says how you can get involved, Okay, we're going to do three things. Everybody say three things. All right, number one is full-time Christianity. Okay, I got one person excited in the front row. Everybody else is still turning there. All right, so full-time Christianity. If you know anything about me, uh, we share our faith everywhere we go. We don't do witnessing. We are witnesses. So whether you know it or not, when you go out today, you're witnessing whether you're a lukewarm Christian or an on-fire one. Your life is a witness, and we want to raise up witnesses. We don't do witnessing. We are witnesses, so we want to raise up people that will live on mission everywhere they go because your mission is where your feet are. So that looks like traveling and preaching at conferences. That looks like going to local churches and and speaking and equipping people and putting out content to help people live like Jesus. The second thing is belong. Everybody say belong. Belong. So if you follow on social media, um, while we were at Lifestyle Christianity, we started a new believers group that, that Scott, really Scott as a big brother in my life, trained me in so many ways in discipleship and, and planted seeds in my heart that came out of me while I was at Lifestyle Christianity and God, it, through a dream, gave me a vision and he said, if you create a net, I'll fill it. And so we created the net and God filled it and every week, probably close to eight to ten people are born again. At lifestyle christianity in a coffee shop and we've seen in, in a year and a half around 450 people water baptized and they come out of the water speaking in tongues so i believe that in an end time harvest we would need nets say nets and and to be honest a sunday morning net is great to catch christians but it's not that great to catch unbelievers and so we want to create a place where people can come and, and we've pioneered this and we're going to begin to do this around the world to train and equip churches to create a net to catch people. And discipleship is not a program, it's family. So we want to train people on what discipleship looks like. And then number three is missions. So sometime soon we're looking at maybe Iraq, we're going to be back in the Middle East and we want to give our life for the gospel. Does that sound like fun? And so if you would like to partner with us or hear more about it, we've got a website. All the information's on the back. We would love for you to to pray about partnering with us and just seeing what God might do. Amen? Okay, now can we get to the exciting part? Let's preach the word. You guys ready? All right. That felt really weird. Like, I I don't like doing that. From now on, Aaron's going to do that. Okay, moving forward. Are you guys ready? Everybody read this. What? Wow. You're on it. Too soon. All right, let's try it again. Say it loud. What provokes you? What provokes you? That's my question today. What provokes you? I'm going to read a scripture, and hopefully it will bring this question into context. In Acts 17, verse 16, it says, Now while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him, and he saw the city was full of idols what is it promised church that provokes you i I don't believe that we're going to have revival unless the church is provoked to action what is it that gets under your skin what is it that makes you a little bit angry what is it that you see that is an injustice that you think man my justice meter can't stand for that what is it that provokes you to action that's my question What is it? What is it that provokes you that you say enough is enough? I'm going to stand up for the gospel. I'm going to say what Jesus said. I'm no longer going to be quiet. There's coming a tipping point in America where the church is going to be provoked to action. What is your tipping point? This is not a political message. This is just a biblical message. Okay, so the definition of the word provoke is to call forth. It's a feeling. It's an action. What is it that provokes you? Number two, the definition would be to stir up with purpose. It says that Paul was provoked because of what he saw. Paul was provoked. He was moved. And if we're not careful, if if we just allow the culture to put us to sleep, we'll never be provoked to actually take action. It is to provide the needed stimulus for, to incite to anger. You can be angry and not sin. You know that? There are things in this world, and this culture that make me really upset because I have Christ in me, the hope of glory. And what I'm seeing on the outside is a complete violation of the God on the inside. Come on. And to arouse to a feeling of action. One more time, what is it that provokes you? What is it that provokes you? What is it that wakes you up? What is it going to take to actually wake up the church in America? Right now, much of the church is sleeping as America is falling apart. Again, this is not political. This is biblical. Everybody say, this is biblical. This is not a political message. This is not a political rant. But guys, if you've not seen America, is not looking too good right now. Like if we open up our eyes and you just watch the news for a moment, you realize we're in trouble. The church needs to be provoked to stand on the truth. And some, at some point, you're going to hit a tipping point and you won't be able to remain silent any longer. What is that tipping point? Right now, many people that call that, I'm not saying this to you, but if it applies to you, as Todd White says, kick the shoe off really quickly, but kick it towards, Aaron, towards uh, Jonathan, not towards me. All right. So this is not meant to be condemning or shameful. This is meant to be inspiring. And this is meant to bring you to a sober mind with the word of God. Okay, so this is what I believe right now. Many people that call themselves Christians actually are standing for things that are worldly and demonic. Let me give you a few examples. You can't be a Christian and think that abortion is okay. You want to clap? You might want to clap. Like, See, even our culture's like, but I mean, there's one circumstance. Tell me one circumstance where murder is okay. Come on. What's going to provoke you to action? The, the shedding of innocent blood, that provokes me. That wakes me up in the morning. That makes me stand for truth. What is it that provokes you? You can't be a Christian and think that sleeping with somebody that you're not married to is okay. That's called adultery. Get okay, that that we got half, we got half the room on that one. All right, here we go. Here we go. You can't be a Christian and think that homosexuality is okay. Uh, uh, is anybody with me? Like, listen, I've led many people out of homosexuality into Christianity. God doesn't hate homosexuals. He loves them, but he hates the sin. God hates the things that destroy his creation. You cannot be a Christian and think that it's okay. The Bible is clear. You can't be a Christian and think that drunkenness is okay. Did you hear me? I, I've got no problem with you drinking a little bit of wine and drinking a couple of beers. I have no problem with alcohol. But if you're drunk every night, And you're not sober-minded. The Word of God says drunkenness is not okay. Okay, I got three people in the back on that one. Amen. Here we go. You can't be a Christian and think that children picking their own gender is okay. Okay, there we go. I saved the best one. Everybody's like, yeah. Don't touch my bud, but you can touch... There is a wine that is so much sweeter. There is an alcohol that is so much more intoxicating than what this world can offer you. It's called a pure heart, a good conscience, and power. I've got no problem with alcohol. But if it has you, i got a problem with it. All right, here we go. Staying on, staying on mission. Oh, wow, it's 10.06. Help me, Jesus. Okay, here we go. Here we go. <laughs> if you want to believe those things and many more, you're not a Christian serving Jesus. I want to read it again. You ready? I want to post this one on social media right after this. I'm going to lose about ten thousand followers. If you want to believe in those things, you're not a Christian serving Jesus. You are a person that has created a god in your own image that serves your own selfishness and way of thinking. wow, here we go. <clears throat> Chris is coming back. We're going to turn it up, Sonny. We're going to turn it up. I mean, these guys have been doing great here. I don't even, I don't need to come back. I left and it got way better. Came back in. I'm like, dang, let's just keep worshiping. All right. So the, the issue is, is that people create a God in their own image in their own likeness, but there's a way that seems right to a man and that's end is death. Sin leads to death. So what is it that provokes you? I don't have time to read Romans 1, but read Romans 1. And allow Romans 1 to define what is righteousness and what is not. Read Romans 1 and let that just get into your spirit and let the word of God define what you believe and not the spirit of this age. Okay, I need you to see that you need to understand that wisdom is a person. See, now, if if you don't get this, like when Adam and Eve were in the garden, I need you to understand that they were walking with Jesus in the garden in the cool of the day. And when they were walking with Jesus, they were walking with life. You guys understand that Jesus spoke and, and, and the world came out of his mouth. So life is not an experience. Life is a person. He's the way, the truth, and the life. I, I need you to understand that Jesus is the door. Jesus is the, the bread of life. Jesus is the light of the world. That's why hell is a place of utter darkness. Because God isn't there. Because God is light. Like, Jesus is everything in a man. So in a mo- for a moment, think about this. If you're a Christian and you're facing Jesus, you're looking at wisdom. Because wisdom is a man. But the moment that the world turns its back on God, think about it, they turn their back on wisdom. So, no matter what they do in the name of self, it's demonic, it's sensual, and it's gonna end in ruin. So, the smartest whatever in the world is foolishness to God. That's why any system void of the Word of God is demonic but I mean, what about, no, what about God is wisdom. Jesus is life. You turn your back on that. I don't care how smart you think you are. You are clay. He is the potter. And does the clay say to the potter? No, you don't even know what's best for you. He created you, designed you. Oh man. Okay. I believe that revival follows the church being provoked to action. I don't have time to read Acts chapter 8, but in Acts chapter 8, you see, right, persecution hits Jerusalem. And, and it's getting crazy. And uh, Stephen gets stoned. And, and I'm telling you, if, if you guys went out there with me, right, and I got persecuted, beat, and martyred, something in you is going to be provoked. That's why when one martyr goes down, a hundred raise up after him. That's why when Paul is in chains, it says it's better that I'm in chains because what it's doing is provoking the church to action. So you see, the church watches Stephen get stoned, and there's Philip. Right? What does it do then to Philip? Right? When persecution hits, it sends them out, and Philip went from town to town to town preaching the gospel. And it said that when he preached the gospel, demonic spirits left with loud cries. It provoked him. You see throughout scripture that persecution, oppression, and all these things actually provoke the church to rise up. Look at the book of Judges. Over and over and over again. People would rise up. We need the church to rise up and stay up. We're a new covenant. The Holy Spirit comes to stay, to land on you. Oh, I'm excited. Has anybody never heard me preach before? Oh, I'm sorry. Hi, I normally would say this. Uh, If my wife was here, she would tell me to smile. And then I'd say, I'm going to turn red and I'm going to yell, but I'm not yelling at you personally. I'm yelling at everybody at the same time, including the ones online so there that was free and if you want to hug me after i would love to hug you after i might be a little bit sweaty okay and if you're offended after we i'll still hug you and we can just screw squeeze that demon of offense out yeah come come here come here there it goes all right yep it's the bible okay here we go that devil's a nasty one it's called religion Yeah, it's called, it's called religion. Now, how's that religion working out for you? Is that religion p- seeing people get born again and set free on the front porch of their house? Is that religion seeing demons get cast out and people receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit everywhere you go? Is that religion bringing transformation? Or does that religion have you stuck in a box called critical? And all you do is sit in churches and judge what God does on a stage. By the way, he didn't give you the stage and he didn't see fit to give you the mic for a reason. It's called get your heart right. I'm serious. If he wanted you to have it, he'd give it to you. He doesn't want you to have it. And if you need it, it'll have you. And if it has you, then you fear man and not God. And you get up here and you speak a watered down gospel that changes nothing. It's time for real prophets to arise. It's time for people to step up and preach the word of God. I love you and I love you enough to tell you the gospel. And the gospel is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. It's called get right with God. It's called read the word and do what it says. Or actually let the word read you. So you can do what it says. Okay, we're going to look at Acts 20 real quick. I'm going to jump down into verse... Oh no, this didn't do it right. There's a verse in in, in Acts 20, 26 through uh, 27. It's right in the middle. And it says this. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all. For I did not shrink from declaring the whole counsel of God. This is Paul. Saying, listen, I I am innocent. I have told you guys everything that I need to tell you about the word of God. Right? There are many churches and places, uh, organizations, that they actually share only a piece of the gospel because they're afraid that they may offend you. Hello, the gospel is offensive. Right? The cross confronts everything about your life. Actually, you're supposed to leave your life at the foot of the cross and receive His life. You're actually not supposed to go through the cross. It's a death to life kind of a thing, not a a make-yourself-a-little-bit-better kind of a thing. Okay, so when I see this, Paul says, listen, I did not shrink back from declaring the entirety of the Word of God. So we need to be people that will declare the whole Word of God. In Romans 1... 16 and 17 he says this for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to everyone who believes to the jew first and also to the greek for in the for in the righteousness for in it the righteousness of god is revealed from faith for faith as it is written the righteous shall live by faith right we understand i'm not ashamed of the gospel that doesn't mean that you just share your faith there's a lot of people sharing their faith and they're still ashamed If we're not careful, we take people from a, uh, you you need Jesus, and we're like, but I can't take you through the cross because the cross confronts homosexuality, because the cross confronts adultery, because the cross confronts everything that is contrary to God. So what we do is is we're like, well, actually, I'm going to get you into the kingdom. Let's run you around the cross and put you in a new covenant reality. And then you live in church wondering why you're not empowered because you never died to self in the first place and received the life of God. Because the church has been ashamed of the only gospel that can change the world. I don't know if you heard me. When, when you get led to Jesus, which Scott does so well, he says all the time, you can believe in Jesus and be on the wrong road. But when you believe in Jesus, you're deciding to follow Him and actually step through the cross. So listen, you can say that you're not ashamed of the gospel, but words are cheap. Your life tells you if you are ashamed of the gospel. When you're sitting at the table with family and you know what truth is, but you water it down, you're ashamed. When you know it's going to be an uncomfortable conversation when you need to stand for truth, but you take a step back, you're ashamed. We need people that will be provoked to stand on the word of God. We need people that will say, this is what the Bible says. (laughs) Period. This is what it says. And it can... All right, let me just read this to you. The gospel is offensive to those that don't believe. Okay? Are you willing to be called hateful? Guys, Christianity is going to be hate in just a couple years because we preach against something. Are you willing for Christ to be considered hateful? Are you willing to be called judgmental? Are you willing to be called not loving? Are you willing to be persecuted for doing good? Because this is what it it takes. Are you willing to stand for truth at the cost of your reputation? Are you willing to stand for truth? Are you willing to be called the Bible guy? The Jesus freak? The guy that is small minded? Oh, if you would know the number of times people, smart people in the world says, you're just small minded. Are you willing to be insulted for the name of Jesus? Come on, somebody. Are you willing to be called weird? Listen, I'm weird. I talk to everybody I see. Scott is really weird. Everybody said amen. And Sonny is on a planet called weird. I only did that because when I called him out, you were back there shaking your fist about him, so I had to get you. I nailed him in the back corner back there. All right, all right. So I believe that this church is more than willing to be provoked. I believe that you already are. I look at this group, man, the air in here is clean. Worship in here takes you straight to heaven. I was talking to some guys that travel with me and I said, the air is clean. That's why when you step in here, you get pulled into worship. Because every demon in hell is confronted in this place because we actually believe and stand on the word of God. You come in here with the wrong motive we're going to squeeze that wrong motive right out of you. We're going to love you, but we're going to love that hell right out of you. I'm being serious, though. Like, Got quiet. People are like, is hell in me? I don't know you know. I don't know you. you. Ask your neighbor. I'm sure they'll tell you if it is. All right? So since you guys are ready to fight for truth, which I believe I heard that prophetically since this church is positioned and we've been provoked to go to Longview. Come on, who have we announced that? Okay, good. We're going to Longview and we're going to take that city for Jesus is what we're going to do because we're provoked. And we're just crazy enough to believe like I believe that church is going to be 4,000 people. bigger than that. Like, it's going to be massive. Like, God is going to move. It's going to be incredible. But something's provoked us to do it. So you guys are in. If you're in, just wave your hand at me. Okay, there's five people that aren't. Slap them. All right, no, I'm just joking. So listen to this. So what we're going to do real quickly for about eight minutes. You guys ready? I'm going to read some scripture to you because going back to the full. So if we're provoked... Right? It's going to cause us to go to action. We're going to take action. If we're going to take action, we have to be equipped with the full counsel of God's Word. You guys see what I did there? So we're provoked, we're going to take action, but we need the full counsel of God's Word so we can be equipped to change the world. So you need to be equipped. And we're ending, is this the last Holy Spirit message? We're ending the Holy Spirit uh, series right now. So we're going to talk about speaking in tongues are you willing to be called weird i mean listen is a guy being swallowed by a giant fish practical is moses with a million people walking across a sea on dry land practical is god speaking to a person out of a burning bush practical is ezekiel being caught up by his hair into heaven practical have you read the bible Speaking in tongues fits right in there. <laughs> the front row thought that was funny. The back row still trying to figure out if they like me. And uh, you'll like me hopefully by the end of this eight minutes. Okay, so in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 16 through 22. I probably won't read the whole thing, but it says rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Re- read this with me. Do not quench the spirit. Okay, so, real practical here. I'm go dairy farmer on you. Okay? If it says do not quench the spirit, that means you can quench it. <laughs> so don't do it. How do you quench it? With your Lack of understanding of the full counsel of God's word. With your inability to read scripture correctly and accurately. With strongholds of human reasoning and logic that you received from YouTube. Or a pastor that was scared of man and not God. Well, you know, my pastor said, when I talk to people about speaking in tongues, the number one thing they say is, well, I heard this, I read that, I saw this. This was told me. It was never, I read in the Bible and studied and see that it's not in there. Don't let YouTube be your theological guide. It's trash. But you can follow me on YouTube. It's good, actually. Um, It's actually good. Yeah, you can just type in Chris Donald. It'll pop up. Got about 139 subscribers. Let's get up over 200 today. You can do it right now. It won't offend me at all. Um, anyways, okay, moving on. Don't quench the Spirit. I just did that. Alright, moving on. So to break this down very simply, you can quench the Holy Spirit. Let's be honest. Who quenched the Holy Spirit this week? Yeah. I did. So we. this is something that we have to do daily, right? We don't want to quench Him. I want to give you two quick examples um, of, in Scripture... And you might want to write these down and study these out further where, because we're now talking about the Holy Spirit, I'm going real practical, and where, and where they came in and they explained the full counsel of God's word when it, this being on the topic of the Holy Spirit. In Acts 19, verse 1, it says, and it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. Then he found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Question mark. And they said, no. We have not even heard that there was a Holy Spirit. That's because they grew up in the church I grew up in. Maybe the one that you grew up in. Okay, so then he says, into what then were you baptized? They said into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who was to come after him that is jesus on hearing this they were baptized in the name of the lord jesus and when paul had laid his hands on them the holy spirit came on them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying so here they come into a region have you heard the full counsel of god's word on the holy spirit we have not heard that We've been baptized in the John's baptism, which means they've heard about it, because John said, there comes one after me. Right? And then he says, let me tell you about it. And a moment later, he lays hands on them, and they begin to speak in tongues, and they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's going to happen in about five minutes. It doesn't need to be a long build-up. If you're here, and you don't know if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit in about five minutes, if you want it. If you're here and you want to speak in tongues, you can speak in tongues today. It's a gift that God has for you. Okay, I want to give you another example in Acts 18, verse 24. It says, Now a Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he spoke and taught accurately the things concerning Jesus. So he knew Jesus. Though he knew only the baptism of John, he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. And when he wished to cross to uh, Achaia, the brothers encouraged him and wrote to the disciples to welcome him. When he arrived, he greatly helped those through grace, through who grace had believed, for he, say the word powerfully. powerfully. For he powerfully refuted the Jews in public showing the scriptures that the Christ was Jesus. I want to highlight that word powerfully. The baptism in the Holy Spirit brings power. So we went from an eloquent man to a powerful man. He went from an eloquent man in speech that understood this aspect, but then when he received the baptism of Jesus, which is fire, everything shifts. I'm going to show it to you in scripture here very very quickly there's three baptisms in the Bible you may want to write these scriptures down and study them out even more salvation is the first baptism 1 Corinthians 12 verse 13 so with salvation that is where the Holy Spirit baptizes you into the body of Christ so when when, uh, Luke said yes to Jesus the Spirit of God placed him into an in Christ reality that's salvation you don't need to be water baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit to go to heaven you're going to heaven Right by faith not by works the second baptism is water Matthew 28 verse 19 go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit it's the second one water baptism, we know about that one we see that one number three is the baptism, say in not of, but in say in the baptism in the Holy Spirit that means Jesus is the one doing the baptizing not Holy Spirit So God, Jesus is God, is about to baptize you in God. Holy Spirit has a name. It's God. So Jesus, who is God, says, hey, I'm going to baptize you in the Spirit of God. What does that look like? You're going to look different. You're going to sound different. You're going to be different. We're going to be a very different kind of people if we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Now, very quickly, I'm going to explain to you tongues, okay? In the Bible, this is going to help many of you, there are four, say four. There are four different kinds of tongues. Did you guys know that? Okay, I know we're going to learn something real quick here, and it's going to be quick, and then we're going to pray. Number one kind of tongues is tongues for personal edification. I'll get these notes to Pastor Jonathan, and maybe we'll email them out to you guys because they're not going to be on the screen, but I'll, we'll get them to you. It says, "The one who speaks in a tongue." this is 1 Corinthians 14:4. 4, "The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church." So when you speak in tongues, you are building up your spirit man. It's powerful. The second kind of tongues is tongues and interpretation. We don't see that too much in church today. This is 1 Corinthians 14, verse 27. If any speak in a tongue, let there be only two or at most three, and each in turn, and let someone interpret the tongue. Okay, tongue and interpretation. We see that in in corporate gatherings, I want you to understand in 1 Corinthians 14, verse 5, it says at the end of that scripture that tongue and interpretation is the highest form of prophecy. It says, speak in tongues, but I would rather that you would would prophesy, but even better if you speak in tongues and it's interpreted. So tongue and interpretation is the purest form of prophecy. You wonder why the devil hates it? You wonder why you're confused about it? You wonder why when I say tongues in church, it's like saying tithe in church? Tithe and tongues are two things that could unlock a reality of the kingdom of God that would transform and change your life. So the devil resists the very things that bring transformation. Number three, tongues for deeper intercession and Elder Marlies says amen. That's right. I have seen that woman pray in tongues like this in romans 8 verse 26 likewise the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know what to pray for we ought for as we ought but the spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words so there is a deep intercession that comes with tongues the last one is tongues for evangelism this is what you see in acts chapter 1 and 2 when the Holy Spirit is poured out, and they begin to speak in tongues. They spill out into the streets, and what happens? The people there go, "These people are drunk," but it's amazing that they're all speaking the languages that we speak, because they were coming to a feast in there in Jerusalem, and there was people of all different languages. And these 120 people went out into the street, and they were they were speaking in tongues. And people there from different languages and tribes were hearing the wonders of God. There was two responses: some mocked them and said they're drunk; others were amazed. What are you going to be today? Are you going to be the ones that say these people are drunk and crazy, or are you going to be the ones that are wondered and in amazement of what God could do in a life? Right? Peter stands up and says, "They're not drunk as you suppose. It's nine in the morning." This is what Joel the prophet prophesied. In the last days I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters will prophesy. This is what the prophets have spoken of. Do not quench the spirit of God. And it says that he lifts up his voice. That's why I do it. It's biblical. So if you please stand with me all over the room. That's all the... Understanding that you really need on tongues. It's in the Bible. It's for you. It's for you. And it's for your kids and for your kids' kids. So I want to do this very quickly. If you're here and you would say, I've never received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. In a moment, I'm going to have you come forward. And if you're here and you're confused, if you're like, I don't know if I have or I, I'm kind of confused on the whole thing, then I want you to respond. And I want you to get this key component about the baptism in the holy spirit tongues is only a sign say a A. the the real sign of if you've been baptized in the holy spirit you're going to have an unquenchable desire to tell people about jesus okay and so so what i want you to see here is is the moment that you ask for it you receive it when scott goes out and leads people to the lord and they say the salvation's prayer nobody's saying are they saved they ask for a free gift called salvation and they receive it. The moment you ask in faith for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you receive it. So if you come forward in a moment and you stand here and you ask for it and you mean it in your heart, you're going to receive it. It's done. It's a done deal. He's a good God. He gives good gifts. Then this is the second group. If you're here and you know you've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit and you want to speak in tongues, today's your day. And the third group if you're if you're here and I understand for some of you this is brand new and you're still trying to figure out what is going on there is no pressure but we want to make sure that you have a ch- a moment today where you can choose Jesus because salvation is the most important thing Salvation is you can be a Christian your whole life be a good Christian and not one time speak in tongues that it doesn't matter in eternity There's a lot of tongue talking hypocrites and there's a lot of people that don't speak in tongues that are living for righteousness and changing the world so do not make tongues a, i'm missing out and this or that thing put all of that out of your mind for a moment pastor aaron's going to come up and he's going to take the rest of the service and we're going to begin to pray i've got lcu students i'm sure that we have a ministry team we're going to come lay hands on you we're going to pray for you and you're going to receive the baptism of the holy spirit amen all right so if you're here and that's you come up front let's pray for you